All right. How do I not screw up my kids? We're so glad that you're here because you're choosing to thrive in your relationship. Guys, welcome to The Betrayed, The Addicted, and The Expert, a Beyond Enough production. Hi, I'm Ashlyn, the once betrayed. I'm Kobe, the once addicted. And I'm Brandon, the expert. And he's definitely an expert. You've been working to help couples with their extreme challenges for like 15 years, right? Yeah, a long time. And I'm glad that I'm here with you guys sharing your vulnerable story. And I hope that it helps our listeners as well. Absolutely. And if you need some help getting started, we have a free resource over at beyond-enough.com forward slash step one. And that's one, the number. It provides the first key steps to healing your relationship, regardless of how tough things are right now. All right, guys, let's roll. We all want to know that. But before (laughs) we answer that, and we do have some answers for you, um, let me read this review. So it says, my wife and I have been separated for 18 plus months. Verbal abuse, gaslighting, and demands have all been byproducts of my sex addiction to, to pornography. She filed for divorce in January this year because she didn't know what else to do. That was the rock bottom for me. SAA, church discipline, and therapy have been the primary occupants of my time in 2020. I'm walking in almost a year of sobriety and recovery. My attitude towards my wife's pain has shifted immensely, and there is real hope for our future. She has paused the divorce process, and we are both working through betrayal trauma recovery. Your podcast has been so relevant and helpful for perspective and sound advice. I can see that there's such a potential for good on the other side of the pain. Thank you for the incredible content. Thank you for sharing a little piece of your own story with us. Good luck. It's so hard, but uh, it's so, it's so going to be worth it. And I'm glad that you found hope in the podcast. Stay humble, stay humble, stay honest, um, take one day at a time. And there, there is a process of healing that you're, this, this person is engaged in and, He's starting to see it and just one day at a time. So good job. All right, Brandon, how the heck do we not screw up our kids? I'm pretty sure we already did, but. Well, yeah. So that's, (laughs) that's the first thing we need to say, Ashlyn, is every good parent screws up their kids to some level and there's no avoiding it. And, and you'll screw up each one of your kids a little bit differently because, because they're all a little bit different and they all respond to you a little bit different and the things you say and the things you do. Um, things we don't say. The things we don't say, the <laughs> things we don't, you know, the attend or, or like, mm-hmm. you, you know, sometimes a parent can't win. If you say one thing, it means this. And if you don't say that thing, then it means that, and you just can't win. So <clears throat> first off, I think what we need to say is um, how do you not screw up your kids just do the best that you can and you're still going to fail. Um, and so give yourself a little bit of grace and a little bit of leeway as we talk about this, uh, your parent guilt's going to fire off and we're going to talk about things that, that will trigger that parent guilt. And our, our intention is to do that so that you can check yourself, but our intention is not to send you off in a fearful shame spiral where you feel like you're the worst parent ever. Well, I had a girl in group once, um, I quoted her on Instagram, Miss Casey, and she said, you know, a good, a good parent is going to ask if, am I a bad parent? You know, they're going to have that parent, that parent guilt and like, oh crap, I'm doing a bad job because 
they're self-reflecting their own, taking some ownership, right? It's when we're not caring and we're like, I'm perfect. I'm doing great, which I don't think any of us are at, but I love that Ashton. A really good parent realizes when they're a bad parent. Yes, that's great. So go, let me, let me ask a question real quick. What does it mean to screw up our kids? Um, I wouldn't know. I'm not screwed up. Just I, I actually, I do think there's some accountability. Uh, and so what I mean by that, being a therapist, meeting with people day in and day out who have major problems, uh, who are experiencing suffering, addiction, depression, anxiety. It's really fascinating when you hear their stories, you dig into it and you can see the breakdown in healthy attachment and the trauma from their parents that is now contributing to their issues as an adult. And I know some parents want to say, I, it's not my fault. I didn't do anything wrong. I don't believe that. I think parents do make mistakes and there is some accountability there. And simply put Kobe to answer your question, um, you know, none of us want our kids to end up as addicts or suicidal or have, have depression or any of those horrible things um, or, or really bad in their relationships or whatever it is, right? But to simply answer your question, Kobe, uh, it, there's a really easy answer to it. And it's about, it's just about love. If, you're, if your children feel loved, and now love can be tricky, and we're going to get into some intricacies of what love actually is with your children. But if, if, uh, if you really love your children and they know that they're loved, um, then they're, they're going to be well-adjusted and um, they're going to navigate relationships. They're going to navigate life well. So it's, it's simply about loving your children. I hear yeah, thinking, I, I'm, I'm, my, yeah, my wheels are spinning just thinking about what all of this means and the impact that perfection or the pursuit of perfection has on parenting and being a good parent and making sure that our kids don't have issues, but everybody else has issues who's, you know, either an adolescent or an adult. And, and so it sounds like what, I don't know if I totally understand what you're saying, but if I'm to guess what, based on what you just shared, Brandon is <clears throat> despite the issues and problems that parents have, right. In our case, um, you know, my addictive behavior that I was lost in for forever, for all my girls' life, except, well, starting to change in when we started recovery. But I guess what I'm saying is, is if we can reassure our kids that they are loved, then when life happens, whether it happens from us projecting life on them or it happens at school or it happens with friends or whatever the case is, because our kids are firmly grounded in the fact that they know that they're loved and that they're okay, then they can from there deal with all the other stuff that's going to come their way. Yeah. So that's, that's exactly it, Kobe, but, but you got to think about it this way. So, so a lot of people might listen to this and be like, Oh my gosh, I need to go home and like shoot baskets with my son all night long and then read to my daughter all night until she's, you know, five books or whatever. Slow down for a second. Um, Think about like when, when I think about attachment the example I think of is a child walking into like preschool and the mom walks in with the child. And if the child clings to the mom's leg and refuses to let go, 
um, that child is not healthily attached to the mom. The child is overly attached and way too reliant on the mom um, to be okay, right? If the child walks in and just walks right past the mom, pretends like mom doesn't even exist. Oh, you drop me off. Who cares? Goodbye, whatever. You stay, go, whatever. I don't care. That's not healthy attachment either. That's a lack of attachment. Um, we, you're not attached to mom. There's nothing there. Um, it leads to independence. It leads to not feeling supported. I don't need you. So a healthily attached child will walk in and know that mom's there, know that there's love there, there's connection there. But because there's that security, there's that love, the child can then go explore. I can go out, I can meet other people, I can explore, I can play with toys. Mom can even leave for an hour or two or however long and come back. But, but I know that mom's there. I know mom's going to be back. And so I'm giving this example because when we look at love, Oftentimes we interpret love as, as attachment, as connection, is if I'm really, and we talked about enmeshment a couple of weeks ago. And what we're talking about is moms who have over enmeshed and over attached to their sons. Um, they're, they're, they're using their son and, and, and they're way too connected. That's not love. Um, it's connection, but it's not love. Um, am I, does this all compute? Does this, um, I'm tracking, I'm tracking yes, with you and I'm sure. feeling a little, like I'm a mom. So I'm like immediately like, don't tell me I'm doing something bad. Um, <laughs> and I'm not going to lie. Like mom guilt is very real and it's definitely one of, um, like a pain point, I think for most women that we can show up in. And so, Yes, I hear truth in it. And I'm also checking myself. <laughs> right. I, you know, everything to me comes back to boundaries. And so if I'm, if I'm healthily boundaried with my child, then I know where I stop and they begin. And I'm going to teach them that this is where I stop. This is where you begin. And as, as my child, you don't need to become me. I don't want you to become me as my child. I want to empower you to be you. I, I want you to become who God made you to become. So I'm not trying to coerce or force that child to serve me, <clears throat> to look good for me. Um, what I want is that child to fully step into who they are as they grow up. Wait, um, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Brandon, just to make sure I get this, you're saying that my kid, my girls, are not a reflection of who I am as a parent? No, what I'm saying is, that your girls do not need to become what you want them to be. So let me, let me give you an example. Okay. Let's say that you want your daughter to be awesome at softball. And let's say she hates softball. She wants to <laughs> she's dance. She's going to be awesome at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But let's say she's really good at but softball. She really doesn't, Brandon, but she really doesn't. <laughs> let's say she's really good at softball, okay. but she doesn't want to play softball. Okay. Yeah. But you're seeing you're really good at it. And by the way, when I go to your game, all the other parents are looking at me like, dang, like your daughter's awesome. That's not good parenting. If you're forcing her. Now, there's a difference between forcing her because it makes you look good and encouraging her to, to step into something that she's good at. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so. Sounds like yeah. motive is a, like, I got to check my motives at the door kind of a thing. 
Is yeah. that what you're saying? Well, yeah. If, if it's love, then you're seeing the child and you're encouraging them and you're, you're helping them navigate their life and, and, and helping them with their own self-discovery. If it's more, we call it a narcissistic parenting style, where it's more all about you, um, then you might be encouraging them to do certain things, but you have a motive and your motive is self-serving. And hi, Tiku. <laughs> That, that motive is self-serving. And when you shift from um, loving your child to um, really actually consuming your child for your own needs, that's, it's the difference between selfishness, selfish parenting and selfless parenting. And when you're selflessly parenting and helping motivate them, that's love. Um, you guys recommended a book uh, to me years ago. Uh, it was called the Danish way of parenting. Right. You guys remember that book? Oh yep. yeah. Love that book. <clears throat> that book. I don't remember everything about it. It was a, a quick, like easy little read. Totally. Um, but there was one principle in that book that was amazing to me. And what it was, was basically like, you know what? Like get out of the way and let your kids go experience life and go play. Is that, is that, Mm-hmm. Kind of, yeah. Kind of what it was saying, they were like, kids need to play way more than they do, and th- like they very much demonstrated what you just said, which is, this is where I stop and this is where you begin, right? Right. So like, parent sees a kid throwing a fit in in the in the store, they're j- legit. They were like, just allow your your child to have their minute. Yeah, yeah. Just observe and be there, and which I'm here. Which as a parent can be so hard. I remember having those experiences oh in the gosh. store or at church or wherever, and the child is falling apart and it's like, come on, you know, better." and it's like, wait, they are too. They yeah. don't know better. They're right. learning to regulate their emotions. And when I just like, oh my gosh, stop. I'm so embarrassed. It doesn't teach them and doesn't right. help them. So, right. Yeah. I, I, I was, uh, like my daughter was doing her homework and she started to kind of freak out because she couldn't figure out the math problem. So she was freaking out a little bit. And I remember thinking, uh, you know, uh, the old way of thinking for me would have been, if I'm a good dad, I'll go sit down with her right now and walk her through this, this problem and, and show her exactly how to do it. That's what a good dad would do. I'll, I'll get off my phone for two seconds. I'll sit down next to my daughter and walk her through it. Um, but I, I remembered this book and I remembered this principle and I thought, <clears throat> you know, it, it, the opposite thing, it feels like I'm abandoning my daughter, but I just said to her, just hang in there. You can figure it out. And she freaked out for a while longer, just total freak out, but I let her freak out. And, and I did intentionally because I want her to learn how to sit in that uncomfortableness of not knowing how to figure out the problem. Right. So totally love can be tricky. You'd think love would be to save her in that mm-hmm. moment. Right. Wow. Um, we're, we're, Ashlyn and I face that a lot. I mean, there's just yeah. two of us. We work from home. We have two girls. I'm the second of seven. Ashlyn's the fourth of six. Right. Mm-hmm. Big, Big family. And, um, it was all hands on deck all the time to get anything done in the house when I was the second of seven. And so I'm used to, domestically functioning, if you will. Um, and, and it's way easier for me to just 
make the girls lunch than it is to nag them to get it done before they go because they want to make it themselves. Right. It's way easier for me to just unload the dishwasher rather than battle um, all that stuff. So as far as like over-functioning is concerned, yes. that's something that Ashton and I struggle with a lot because yeah, it's just do. easier to do it. And the the book that helped me really figure out how much I was over-functioning for Kobe and for uh, my kids was actually nothing to do with parenting or <laughs> relationship. It's the um, the Dance of Anger, um, Harriet the dance Lerner. Of anger. So good. Um, such a great book, but she talks about the ways when we overfunction and how it shows up in our resentments and our anger. And for me, I looked at that like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what's happening here is I'm, I'm trying to protect my kids. I'm rescuing my kids. Yeah. I'm doing these things. So for me, I really do have to almost on a daily check myself. Am I rescuing or am I parenting? And I, sorry. <laughs> No, I love the Ashton. I love that. That's, am I rescuing or am I parenting? Because we think we've fooled ourselves when we go in and we take over. Why do we take over? Like Kobe said, it's easier. Like I could, I'm an adult. I know how. <laughs> exactly. But you can, you can fool yourself and say, but that is the loving, nice thing to mm -hmm. do to make their lunch every day, to help them, uh, you know, get through their homework without freaking out to, that that's the nice, loving thing to do. Absolutely not. You're serving yourself. You're serving yourself because you're uncomfortable with their uncomfortableness. When that two-year-old screaming in the middle of the aisle and you're wondering what everyone else is thinking all about you, all around you, the right thing to do might, might let your, your two-year-old figure out how to work it out for themselves, right? Meaning um, how to, how to come out of the fit and shake it off. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, there's a limit, you know, but go ahead, Kobe. No, I, I'm, I'm just kind of spinning on this. What I'm hearing, what I'm really hearing right here is you're saying it's, it's a matter of, again, teaching our kids. How do, how do we, what's one way that we don't screw up our kids is to allow them to be kids and to allow them to learn themselves how to function against our expectations, knowing that they're not going to meet them in yes. all the cases. And, yep. and then being okay with the discomfort that is associated with them not meeting our expectations. Yeah. Yep. Um, because that's hard. Yeah. That's so hard. Yeah. Um, parenting is about a lot of times just letting them go. It's, it's providing the backdrop of love and safety in that context and then let them go experiment and learn and, and then let, let them know you got their back, but you're not going to take over for them. You're not going to fix it for them. Um, the kids have, have this thing where I'm always like, I'm always like, you know why I'm not going to do that for you? Because one day you're going to be sitting in an apartment by yourself and yeah, I get, a, I'm like, and you're going to know, you're going to need to know how to wipe your own butt. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. The kids love to hear that one, right? It's like, okay, here we go again in your apartment by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah again. <laughs> and we have to be annoying. Sometimes we have um, family mottos that have come in as like those repeated, but what do you, you know, what do you remember? What's our family motto? And we have a big one printed out on our stairway. So we see it every day and it's, what is it, Kobe? I love you no matter what. And it really oh, is that love unconditional that. love. And so 
the scary part of that is that they show up in their truth at very young ages. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we give them that strength of uh, this, the safety to say, Hey, you don't have to decide and tell us these things. You're 10, you're 12, whatever. But the, they tell us things knowing that they're loved unconditionally that are so scary to hear, but also like, okay, we still, yeah, look, we love you no matter what. And it really is unconditional. Um, were we always that way? I don't think so. I think it's something that we've had to self-reflect and say, even my own mom, my mom has like shifted from taking this, like not super conditional love, but kind of conditional love to really unconditional of just, we don't have to believe the same things. We don't have to, you know, believe politically the the same same way. Everything can be different and we can still love. Love And that to me was a really great example of like, oh, I can do this with my kids. Cause look, my mom, she's figured it out. (laughs) Yeah. A little technical difficulty. Brandon, let me, let me, Sorry, I got to drive this home, Kobe. Yeah, please do. Parenting advice, I think that we've ever given. I love you no matter what. If you get your kids to to actually feel that from you and know that, you're good, right? Yeah, it's, it's awesome, been it's been Kobe. super, super helpful. And, and but that's also been um, it's been one that has bit me in the hind parts because I know that there's times when I don't show up like that. Right. I know that there is when I don't like my looks or my nonverbals or my words, my swears, they don't say, I love you no matter what. And, right. and, and so that's a I bad thing. To, yeah. They, that's they, you teach your kids and then they start calling you out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and it's, a, it's a crazy, um, it's just a crazy dynamic that we have to be able to, to handle and deal with. That's, that's challenging and tough. But, um, but let me, let me circle back to this. You referenced enmeshment, the episode we did a couple of weeks ago, Brandon. So what are, what are some of the really key ways to keep from, en- to keep from enmeshment, um, to keep enmeshment from taking place, taking hold? Yeah. So let, let's talk about some of the, I mean, we're talking about some of the kind of subtle basic wounds that that kids take on you know like when you you use your kid for your own validation a little bit or or you know you you don't love them no matter what you give them a bad look we we all do those things um but there is some more severe wounds that that parents will do with their children and and um when we talk about enmeshment at a really really young age if you take a child who uh, all of us as children, we have this natural thing where, where we want to know we're safe and we want to know mom and dad got our back. So we're safe. Mom and dad got our back. Therefore, mom and dad kind of have it figured out. Mm-hmm. And so I need to follow their lead in this world and in this life because they're going to show me how to navigate it. Well, if mom and dad do- actually don't have it figured out, <laughs> they don't know how to create love news um, then then what a child does is instead of saying mom and dad you're unhealthy and you're not safe for me and my my spiritual well-being my overall well-being a child usually does does something different they say oh something's broken with the attachment here i'm getting neglected or abused or used by my parent and so there must be something wrong with me 
Oh. Um, well, what's, what's, what's the matter with me? How, so therefore I need to overcompensate or I need to shut down or I, I need to avoid. Uh, and so like, and, and like, here's a really tricky, subtle one. Um, let's say I was using my daughter for my validation. And so all of a sudden she'd start performing, like trying to be good enough, trying to, and then I'm using my daughter to vent all of my emotions and, and breaking those boundaries and using her for, for those needs for myself. And so then she'd feel like I got to take all this on. I'm important. I need to be there for my dad. I, now I'm really creating an enmeshed relationship with my daughter where I'm consuming and I'm using her all the time. And all she's doing is trying to be loved. She's trying to be good enough. And, but, but the way that I'm showing her that she's loved and she's good enough is by stepping into this system where I can consume her. Can you see the enmeshment starting to happen? Yeah. Yeah. And definitely not something I would guess intentional, but just become such, right? It, yes. That, that's at least I think what I've seen and feel. And I don't think it's something that we're like, I'm going to consume my child and mess them up. It's something that we do without thinking. Kind of automatically. Is it, is it possible, Brandon, for a parent to... Um, have decent connection with their partner and yet still seek emotional intimacy with their child? Uh, it's, is it possible? Yes. Is it likely? No. Okay. And the reason is, is, is because if they're really messing up the attachment with their child, then they probably struggle in as a whole with attachment. And so to create a really interdependent relationship built on trust and safety with their partner, yet they're acting that way with their child is very unlikely, but it could happen because maybe they have more triggers or more wounds or more trauma with a parent child relationship than they do um, with a, with a spouse type relationship. That's that makes a, that's sense. A good question. That makes a lot of sense. And, and so Again, if if um, I recognize that my relationship with my kids, I'm leaning too heavily on them. For instance, let me just say this. Yesterday, um, I gave Ellie a hug. And I realized in that moment that that hug, I was, I was um, taking more from Ellie in that hug like than I was giving. That hug wasn't about me... Um, excuse me, what that hug was not about me giving love to Ellie. It was about me taking love from Ellie. And I didn't realize it until I was actually hugging her, you know, and she's leaning in and she's like, you know, here you are. And um, then I realized, wow, okay. I'm actually taking from, I'm using Ellie and taking from her yeah. to help soothe comfort, you know, whatever to reinforce my okayness. And yeah. that was kind of hard for me to, to face. I was kind of like, oh, geez, do I really want to be the dad who's going to take from his 10-year-old? But, but Kobe, we got to be careful in that. I, I actually really appreciate your self-reflection. But we got to be careful in that it is okay for us to enjoy love from our kids as yes. parents. Yes. Like, it's like, hey, my son gave me a hug yesterday, and it was awesome. Um, and Michael, I really, Reed. No, Reed did. That's and I really cool. enjoyed it. It was awesome. He gave me a hug, and he just said, I love you. Um, 
it doesn't mean I'm consuming him because I uh-huh. enjoyed that love connection that we had in that moment. Okay. Um, now, if I, if I go to him and I always need that love because mm-hmm. I feel so void of it and it's not in my life, now I'm starting to kind of use him, take advantage of it. Okay. Yeah. Um, Kobe and I did this video that um, that's what I'm thinking of when I think of this is like, when we can come together, this was Kobe's thing, when he, we can come together and both stand strong in our own hug and energy of like, I love you and you love me and we hug that feels different than one of us leaning into the other and like, give me strength, give me okayness to make me better. Right. And as simple as like a hug can be, it can say a lot about where we're at emotionally and what we're searching and and needing in that moment. Yeah. Ashlyn, you, you did a good job of illustrating it is, you know, my, my son hugging me, it feels good to both of us to feel love. We love each other. That feels good. There's nothing wrong with that. When I lean in and I take, I force it, then I'm more consuming. And, and I think Kobe, you bringing it up with Ellie and saying, maybe I was doing that yesterday. Um, you know, there's other, other things that you can see. Like if you find yourself going to your child to get empathy and validation, validation about, about your emotions about your marriage uh be careful with that one right you're using a child to 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 soothe you and in turn asking that child to almost betray the other parent yeah that was like how it was and i've talked about this brandon before on the podcast about my mom saying to me when my dad would come home from work after she like cleaned you know the house or mopped the floor whatever like that and he didn't see it she would go right to me now when your wife mops yes. the floor and sweeps the floor and makes dinner, you better notice and you better tell them. Right. So clearly my mom was seeking from me the validation that she didn't get from my dad. Yes. And it was like, and oh, vice versa, like dad seeking it from sister kind of thing. Like there's, there's, yeah, all there's, over the there's, place. <laughs> there's way more, there's way more to that story, you know, decades later, but, um, but ultimately that w- that's an example of how my mom created enmeshment with me where it was like, I don't know what the hell to think about this. What like, okay, mom. And, and it's yeah, not like right. I would question my mom and say, mom, this isn't actually healthy. You need to go. Have- <laughs> right. I, I didn't, I didn't a, know. Kid, you don't know any better. You're right. just no. there and you're just going along with, okay, mom, I will do that. Totally. And but, completely. But, but she was, she was enmeshing herself with you and consuming you in that. Yeah. Okay. So I have a question, Brandon. I got this actually today through Marco Polo from one of my past girls. And she said, how do I show up for my kids? Like one, I can't show up for my kids right now. I'm, I'm really struggling emotionally in my marriage, but I, I'm not being, you know, it's a season and I'm not just being the best mom that I want to be. So I want to be able to share with them, but without giving them like they're, to me, I'm looking at it going, oh my gosh, I've been there. I've been there many times where I'm like, Hey guys, I'm not who I'm, I'm having some heavy stuff right now. Nothing that you need to know about. Like, this is not for a kid to take on. Cause my kids will definitely carry that if I right. give it to them. Right. And they're like, well Oh no, mom's mom's going to do this. And mom and dad are getting divorced. Like, it's not that it's not shield. I'm not shielding them from I'm in pain and I'm sad but I'm working on it, but I'm showing them that I can be in pain 
and be sad, but I can also ask for help and I can work through it and I can still show up. I may not be my best self, but I'm at least being honest enough to say, I'm not, I can't make dinner. We're going to go to Chick-fil-A tonight because right. I'm tired. Right. Um, so I don't know what's think, your answer well, to Ashton, that. I think you just answered that question. Do it, do, do what Ashton just said. So <laughs> the, the, the thing that we need to understand as parents is we think like, like really try to shift your paradigm as a parent. We think that a good parent is a parent that's like always connected to your kids, always aware of all of their needs, always mindful with them. And like, just that, that's, that will, that will wound your kids if that's who you are. That's a problem because now you're too perfect. Mm, and yeah. <laughs> a, a good parent is actually a parent that uh, you, you think about your example. So like this woman, her example of, Hey kids, I actually have some boundaries with you. Hey kids, I'm actually working through some stuff. Hey kids, I actually do struggle and I'm showing you that there is struggle in life and you're going to have struggle in your life. And so I'm not going to smile and pretend like I don't have struggle. I'm not going to unload all my stuff on you, um, but I'm going to show you what it's like to work through a challenging time and a struggle. And that's the best thing that she can do for her kids is not to make everything hunky dory and not to unload everything on her kids. Definitely. Yeah. It's a fine line, I think, because I do, I value and have worked through my own little tiny traumas of not being able to feel because I was shown like, be strong, you know, suck it up and be okay. Um, and so being able to be okay, showing my kids, like I'm sad or I'm crying right. or whatever, but there is a difference for me. I'm like, I'm not going to show my kids that I'm sobbing and, and, you know, feeling heavy, heavy emotion. Cause that scares my kids. Right. Um, so I think it's a fine line, <laughs> you know, Tony Robbins talks about his mom and, uh, when he talks about his mom, apparently she was an abusive, um, very dysfunctional woman. And he says, like, she was perfect for him. She was exactly what he needed. And without her and what she taught him, he never would have, would have done all the things that he's done in his life. And I love that attitude because as parents, I think we, we can kind of feel like I'm damned if I do and I'm damned if I don't. Like, no matter what I do, I'm going to screw up. And I think that's true. <laughs> but I think we can look at the other side of that coin. No matter what you do, you're going to teach your kids. Mm. No matter what you do, you're going to give your kids opportunities for growth. Um, so do your very best. Try to shift out of the, the worst patterns of your childhood and the worst patterns of unhealthiness that you have and do your very best. And then, and then try to focus on the positive for yourself and love yourself and have compassion as a parent um, for you. I love all of that, Brandon. And it, it takes the finger pointing, right. And just like, okay, I'm showing up. I'm doing my best. Absolutely. Yes. So if I recognize by listening to this episode that I am emotionally connecting with my kids rather than emotionally connecting with my partner or another friend, if I am single, um, or don't have a partner, is it too late is it too late Good question. to say, well, looks like I've enmeshed my kids. They're screwed. I better start saving, not for college, but for therapy. Um, how is, is it rather than going on that, that uh, train of, of thinking, um, is it too late, Brandon, for a parent to start making a shift? 
I, I, I hate that question. Um, <laughs> I hate that question. Hopelessness is always BS. Um, it's, it's, and so, yeah, maybe you have screwed up. Maybe you've made big mistakes. Maybe, maybe you've screwed your kids up in some ways. Like I said, like take some accountability, own it. Um, but we're, you're in the here and now, right now. And the past is the past. And so you have a choice. You can, you can wallow in, in the hopelessness of it all, or you can get to work right now. You can create some shifts right now. You can learn how to change. You can work on yourself. And, and so, you know, absolutely not. It's not hopeless. Um, move forward. Don't stay stuck backwards. Um, so I'll tell you this. Kobe and I have both, the more we educate ourselves and work through our own stuff, we start to see what we've passed on to our children. So oh my gosh. Um, we just recognize <laughs> oh it gosh. and we're like, yep, gave that codependency, gave that, know. you know, critical that attachment voice. Style to a T. <laughs> but yeah. my kids, like we talk about it and we're like, my kids will say, I'm critical because you're critical. And I'm like, yep. It's true. And I've been working on it really hard and I continue to work on it and it's not a happy way to live. So let's shift. Like right. we can make a shift together and I can take ownership. I definitely gave that to you and I'm <laughs> sorry. Yep. Yeah. It's yep. a thing. I, love that. I think just having an honest conversation with them about it and Ashlyn and I have talked to our kids about, um, I, I know that we've had, haven't we Ashlyn had conversations with the kids about the hug the hug issue, the hug thing. I don't know that we Giving, have taking whatever we will. We'll have that again tonight as a, as a conversation, but um, our daughter just walked in and she gave us the like, uh, uh, another talk. we're going to have another <laughs> therapy type talk. Um, Welcome home. <laughs> the, but, but ultimately I think having a conversation, like I'll have a conversation with Ellie tonight and, and say, look, this isn't, I'm not going to make this a bigger deal than what it is, but I realized last night when I was giving you a hug, I was like trying to like take from you because I didn't feel so okay. I was too uncomfortable with where I was in that moment emotionally. I was just in some discomfort. Yeah. And I realized that I was trying to take your, I was, I was using you to help soothe my discomfort. Yes. And that's not what, uh, that, that's, that's not what I want to do because whatever, whatever discomfort I'm feeling, I can, I can get through and I don't need to use you in order to do that. I love it. I think I, I, would that be an okay conversation to have to say, Hey, look, this is what my patterns been, or this is what I've observed. I need to change that. Can you help me change that? Oh, I love it, Kobe. I work together to do that. It's all about example. And if you're setting an example of, of getting accountable and owning something and absolutely, that's awesome. You're teaching her that. So yeah, I was listening to an episode today about attachment and and the anxious attachment side of things was killing me because I was just listening to this uh, this this uh, therapist just list anxious attachment style and I was just seeing Ellie through the whole thing just like oh my gosh which is me <laughs> and I was like oh that's mine yep I, that's mine I taught that to her she saw me doing that. I still do that and she does that too. It was just like one thing after another. And the truth is, is that I'm going to have a conversation with her about, about anxious attachment style because I struggle with that. And I've clearly modeled it, which sucks because it's like, sweet, now I've screwed up my kid because now my kid has anxious attachment. But the truth is, is that if I've learned what I've learned at the, at the age in life that I've, that I've learned it, 
then it's entirely possible for my kids to, uh, to adjust course. Absolutely. Based on where they are right now, no matter what their age. Well, and, and they do it through awareness. So if you, if you, if you're in denial about it and you just keep doing it, then you're yeah. going to keep feeding it. But if you get aware of it, if, if you own it, if you see it, if you talk about it together, yeah. then, then they're much less likely to fall into those traps. Oh, that's cool. Yep. So don't, uh, don't be surprised when your kids call you out for uh, shaming them when you teach them about shame or <laughs> all these things. Uh, these are good things. And it's, it it's going to do exactly what Brandon said and bring that awareness and to yourself and self-reflection is a superpower. And I super believe that. And I think I, I taught my kids about drama, Ashlyn. And it's like, now it's like, well, you're playing the victim and you're the- <laughs> and like, I love it. I love it. Thank you. Thanks kids. Yep. And it is, it's like, yeah, you're right. I, that wasn't the best way to say that, or, <laughs> yeah, you know? So, it. okay. Yeah. And yeah. So the only thing it's done is, is one awareness. Yes. But it's also helped our kids like, I am amazed almost every time they do it, they take ownership so fast. And it's taken me so long as an adult to do that. So it's teaching them at least that is like, they have that skill down. Oh, oh my gosh, Ashton, their future husbands should just be like, thank you. <laughs> Kobe's like, I wish I had that. No, totally do. <laughs> it still takes me some time, but yeah, we're working on it. Yep. Guys, we are grateful for you being here and we're thankful for you listening and this episode has for sure been one that's, uh, that's, that's super shareable and we've meant it to be that way. So share this episode. Not all the episodes that you're going to get here are going to be like super shareable friendly, <laughs> but this is going to be one of those. that's like, okay, cool. Speaks I can do this. All it can speaks to all parents, all people, etc. And it doesn't even matter if someone has kids or not. They can listen to this episode and examine their own attachment style, their own uh, relationship with their own parents and say, do I want to, to do the same things with, with my kids, assuming that they're going to have that in some capacity. So uh, share this episode uh, because uh, you might do some good and helping people around you. So thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Thanks guys. See ya.